Whoever believes in Allah in the last day, let him speak good or be silent. Just a one hadith and one quote that I want to mention in this regard about the importance of speaking well and being cautious about your tongue. Uh, and then we'll move on to the next two portions of the hadith. Uh, Abu Ayyub, عنه, he narrates that, that a man came to the Prophet فقال, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, that, O Messenger of Allah, teach me, but be brief. As in, you know, you know, summarize it, make it quick. SubhanAllah. It's not very not a very particularly nice thing to say, but SubhanAllah, you know, perhaps he was an Arabi, perhaps he was a Bedouin, and you know, they're kind of tough in nature. Wallahu alam. And so uh, the Prophet did uh, oblige and said, he said what? قال, that first and foremost, when you pray, pray as if it's your uh, farewell prayer, like your last prayer. That's number one. So your connection with Allah, it's always strong, and you always have that de- the reality of death right uh, in front of you. The next one is what? And do not speak something that you're going to regret later on. Don't say something that you know you're going to regret and have to apologize for later. And that's exactly the part that I want to focus on, which is subhanAllah, be careful with your words. Always think to yourself, why? Why should I say something and then two minutes, regret, two minutes later regret it? You know, a, a day later, a week later. Why? If I know that there's the potential for regretting it, then you know what? I just won't press send, or I won't say it, or I won't post it, or I won't, whatever the case is, it's just better not to do so. The world is full of all sorts of information. You don't need to add negative information in addition to what's already there. And I just want to also quote Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, who said what? Ma hajj, wala ribat, wala jihad, ashaddu min lisan. That he said, there is no pilgrimage, and no jihad, and no guarding of the border that is more difficult than what? Restraining one's tongue. SubhanAllah, this is such a powerful... Uh, quote that he's saying because you can imagine at that time it's not like today where you can comfortably fly first class and so on and so forth we're talking about back in the day when hajj was so difficult we're talking about battle uh, you know subhanallah where people are swinging swords and shooting arrows we're talking about such difficult concepts and subhanallah standing in a ribat which is guarding the border you don't know when anybody's going to come in the middle of the night you have to be vigilant constantly you don't know when someone's going to come attack you so these things are very very difficult and he's saying all these things are so tough and yet even tougher than that is controlling and caging and imprisoning one's tongue, habs, you know, uh, trying to restrain one's tongue, subhanAllah. So that's the portion about the way you speak. Then the hadith goes on to say, That whoever believes in Allah in the last day should not hurt or insult or harm in any way his neighbor. Now, this is an incredible and a beautiful hadith for several reasons. Number one, Everybody is a neighbor to everybody else at some, in some way or another. I mean, of course, there are maybe a few people that live in complete isolations, but by and large, most of humanity, we live in communities, right? And therefore, if humanity were to actually apply this beautiful hadith, then the world would just be a better place. Because if everybody says, I'm going to focus on those who are around me, they focus on who's around them, and so on and so forth, subhanAllah, it would just spread love and compassion throughout the world. Now, what does it mean that you don't harm? Mafhum al mukhalafa when you, when you re- reverse engineer it, therefore, if you're prohibited from harming your neighbor, then therefore it must be very good and rewarding to be good to your neighbor. What does it mean to be good to your neighbor? Help them when they seek help. Visit them when they're sick. Congratulate them when they've succeeded at something. Give condolences when they have lost something. Be first to greet them. Say salam first or say hi to them first before they say to you. Uh, be kind in speech to them and in with their children. 
Also, overlook their mistakes. Overlook their private matters. Don't, you know, peek into uh, windows and try to find out, oh, I heard some yelling, let me listen carefully, find out what's going on. No, leave their private matters private. And uh, 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 don't do anything, don't make any sort of building or do anything in your household uh, that will, uh, let's say, overshadow or cause some sort of a harm or maybe leave your trash out that the garbage gets into their yard. Make sure that you don't do anything like this. A good example would be, I don't know, if you have a pool and then you let out all sorts of water and it goes into their garden and it like floods their garden and destroys it. Avoid any sort of harm to one's neighbor. There's a ayah in which Allah Ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 36, so Allah Ta'ala says, look at, look at the, 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 the category that the, the neighbor has. Like, look at the, the category which, which the neighbor is associated with. Allah says, worship Allah and don't associate partners with Him. Tawheed, the most important. Then what? Be good to your parents and to the relatives and to the orphan and to the needy and to the near neighbor and to the neighbor who is farther away. So twice the neighbor is associated in this incredible lineup, subhanAllah, which goes to show the weight that the neighbor has. Now, of course, there are many different interpretations as to what does this mean, the close versus the far neighbor. So close versus far could mean in terms of proximity, literally close and far in terms of distance. That's the most obvious. But another interpretation is what? That maybe you have a bunch of neighbors that are all equidistant from you, they're all the same distance from you, but some of them are family, and some of them are uh, uh, non-relatives. And therefore, those that are closer to you, this is in terms of blood relation, not necessarily in terms of distance. And then another interpretation is that, again, you have a neighborhood, people are equidistant from you, some are Muslim, some are non-Muslim. So the close one would be the Muslim, and the far one or the further one would be the non-Muslim. And then there's another interpretation which says that uh, this is a reference to when you are, uh, you know, uh, somebody at home, uh, you know, muqim, you're, you're, you're in your in your home versus when you're traveling. This is more of an esoteric understanding. The idea is that the close neighbor is your wife and the far neighbor is when you're traveling. It's your business partner, whatever. But this is, again, this is just a sort of, you know, you could say uh, stretching a little bit. I think the first three are more, are, are stronger interpretations. Well, Allah, and Allah knows best. Now, the big question is, who is considered your neighbor? Who constitutes a neighbor? And so there are several different opinions on this matter. The position of Al-Hassan al-Basri, Al-Zuhri, Al-Awza'i, Al-Shafi'i, and Imam Ahmed ibn Hammal, Rahimhumullah, may Allah have mercy on all of them, is 40 homes. 40 homes. So 40 homes from your house, that whole neighborhood is essentially your neighbors. Others say, no, it's those who are directly next to you. And this is the position of Abu Hanifa, Zufar, and Imam Malik, Rahimhumullah. And then another of the Maliki positions is people who pray in the same masjid as you. Anybody who you come to the masjid and that therefore, everybody that prays in the same masjid, this is your neighborhood and therefore all these people are considered your neighbors. I guess you could say everybody in Fishers, we are all considered uh, neighbors. And uh, you know, it could be your district, it could be your tribe. And I think Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah, uh, the author of Al-Mughni, the, the great encyclopedia, the magnum opus on, on, uh, on fiqh in general, but more specifically on Hanbali fiqh, I think he had the best opinion which says that your close relative, or excuse me, your close, the word close is relative. And therefore, your neighbor is considered whatever your culture is considered to be a neighbor. In other words, it's relative to one's culture. And so I think that's a very uh, uh, reasonable position because, you know, it seems that all the other fuqaha, they were taking positions based on their urf, based on their uh, customs and what they were used to. And so they're saying, well, according to us, we see it this way. According to us, we see it this way. And so Ibn Qudama said, listen, whatever your uh, uh, custom and your, and your culture deems to be uh, your neighbor, that is your neighbor. And Allah knows best. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Now, I think that we should, 
as a community, definitely see each other as neighbors. We all live in the same neighborhood. We come and we see each other on a daily basis. And we live in a time where you don't necessarily talk to your neighbors. You might live in on the same street for 10, 15, 20 years, and you really don't even know the person right next to you or the house after that or the house after that. We just don't make a, a habit of speaking to these people. But we see each other in Salah all the time. We're standing next to each other constantly. So that sense of na- being neighbors is much stronger, and Allah knows best. There are so many hadith. That, wrote, that are with regards to the importance of treating the neighbor well. The Prophet says, for example, مَا زَالَ جِبْرِيلُ يُصِينِي بِالْجَارِ حَتَّى ظَنَنْتُ أَنَّهُ سَيُوَرِّثُهُ That Jibreel alayhi salam, he kept on advising me about the kind treatment of, of the neighbors to the point that I thought that he would make them inheritors. I thought that they would actually inherit when, I die, when, when, when the Muslim dies, that he has to give to his neighbors. I thought that's where it was going. That's how much emphasis was on the uh, uh, jiran or the uh, the neighbor. Uh, also the Prophet says what? لَا يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مَنْ لَا يَأْمَنْ جَارَهُ بَوَائِقَهُ That the, the, uh, he will not enter paradise whose neighbor is not secure from his bad behavior. If somebody has bad behavior, and subhanAllah this is very much reminiscent of what is happening these days, especially now that it's the holiday season and so many packages are going out. You know, people... Uh, they wait for the Amazon package to show up and they run by the house, they grab it and they snatch and they go away. Some people, just by being their neighbor, you're, they're going to harm you. They're going to steal your things and so on and so forth. I've heard many stories. There's lots of, you know, uh, you know, there's lots of videos about this online, lots of news reports about people who are just waiting on their neighbors to receive packages and then they go and they snatch whatever is there. SubhanAllah, this hadith is so scary that if you're the type of person that just by being in this person's proximity, you will constantly be harmed by them, then subhanAllah, such a person is not entering paradise. And wallahu ta'ala alam, if they're a believer, maybe they'll be punished for a short time and then eventually entered into paradise. Uh, and Allah knows best. The Prophet says, what? Ya Abu Dhar. He was once giving advice to Abu Dhar. He said, Ya Abu Dhar, إذا طبخت مرقة فأكثر ماءها وتعاهد جيرانك. Oh Abu Dhar, when you prepare the broth, Add water and then give it as a, like present it and give it as a gift to your neighbor. In other words, when you're cooking some big meal, what should you do? They shouldn't be smelling the beautiful smell and know that you're baking something beautiful and then at the same time, you just keep it to yourself. You should have the attitude of what? Add a little extra, bring some to your neighbor, make sure you add a little bit more, be a good neighbor, subhanAllah. Now, I know it's difficult nowadays, people are so isolated. If you show up to the neighbor's house, they might get scared and be, you know, feel a little bit alienated and strange. One way that you can warm things up, well, definitely one one way is, is through children. When kids are playing in the street, you go outside with them, their kids are playing on the street, and then you can, you know, start a conversation. Alhamdulillah, this is beautiful, you get to know your neighbors. Um, invite them over, get to, get to know them, you know, ask them when's a good day to spend some time together. It's always beneficial to try to create that beautiful, you know, uh, suhba and that sort of companionship, uh, in your neighborhood, inshallah ta'ala, to the best of your ability. And at the very least, I think it's very important that we as Muslims, what we do is on the day of Eid, we do our best to share some sweets and something nice, some sort of a chocolates, whatever the case may be. Give something to your neighbors. Give them a little note that says, you know, this is uh, so-and-so from house uh, such-and-such. And, uh, you know, today is uh, the day of Eid and we are celebrating, you know, uh, and this is a, a holiday for us. And so we just want to share in the holiday spirit and, 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 and give you something nice. Uh, and alhamdulillah, this is something that I myself have done. And I've gotten a very positive reaction from my community. And I think it's very nice to get them used to the idea that there is more than just, let's say, you know, Christmas or Hanukkah. There's also Eid. This is something that's very positive, inshallah ta'ala, that we can try to promote at the very least. I mean, just twice a year, inshallah ta'ala, we can do that. Now, subhanAllah, the neighbor and the people in your community, because now I'm going to be using the concept of neighbor, but also your community kind of interchangeably, because they both kind of 
uh, fit, the, fit, fit the description here. That is the best way to determine your own evaluation. See, it's very difficult sometimes. People have a hard time saying, you know, maybe I'm biased. Maybe I have a certain idea of who I am, but maybe my concept isn't accurate. And how can I bet, how can I better evaluate myself? There's a beautiful hadith in which Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radha anhu, he mentions, this is mentioned in Ibn Majah, it's a sahih hadith as well. قال, uh, that a man came to the Prophet and said, How can I know when I've done good or when I've done bad? Such a beautiful question, straightforward question, very uh, a broad question that's very relevant to all of us. How do I know if I'm really acting and behaving in good character or in bad character? How do I know? How can I figure this out? You know, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm not sure. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سمعت جيرانك يقولون قد أحسنت فقد أحسنت وإذا سمعتهم يقولون قد أسأت فقد أسأت that the Prophet says very beautifully that if you hear from your neighbors that they're saying that you're doing well and you're being a good person then you're being a good person and if you hear from your neighbors that you know this person's really horrible and rough and bad and so on and so forth then that's what you are <laughs> subhanallah it's, this deen is very straightforward that subhanallah you really want to know who you are Ask the people around you. Get the, you know, do, do a little census and try to figure out what is people, what are people's general opinion of you. And, you know, subhanAllah, the idea that everybody has a consensus that you are a harsh or rude or, or, or mean or whatever the case is, and yet, oh, they're all wrong. This is not very realistic. I mean, how, do you really think that people are all convening, getting together in some sort of private gathering and saying, listen, we all know that this guy's character is like amazing. But let's just for the fun of it, you know? Let's all agree to tell him that you really need to work on your terrible character. And wouldn't it be great that if we all do that, okay, good, yes, we all agree, meeting adjourned. Does, did anybody, do you, does anybody think that this happens? Of course not. This type of conspiracy-minded uh, ideas, it's, it's ridiculous. No. So, I mean, I know it's the hardest thing to do. We all know it's the most difficult thing to do. To ask the people in your immediate circle, in your community, what do you really think of me? How can I work on myself? How do you evaluate me? This is not easy. It's very, very difficult. But subhanAllah, I know most of us, we think if I ask my wife, you know, what can I work on? She's going to open up a scroll and it's just going to roll. <laughs> the scroll is going to be, you know, so long. And she's going to have so many things, so many complaints, subhanAllah. I know we're all afraid of that. But the fact of the matter is that if you want to improve, inshallah ta'ala, the best thing you could do is really pay attention to the people around you and see how they evaluate you. Uh, this idea, this concept, this famous phrase of only God can judge me, this, on the one hand, is very true and also very dangerous. Because <laughs> technically, yes, of course, Allah Ta'ala is the ultimate judge. There's no, there's, that's a fact. But the intent behind, behind it, that many people use it, when they say only God can judge me, what they mean to say is, I don't care if the whole world evaluates me to be bad, I don't care because only God is the judge. Yes, you're right, only God is the judge. And God sent a messenger. And that messenger has told us that if you want to know if you're doing good or if you're doing bad, then ask the people around you. So this whole uh, trying to, you know, uh, circumvent uh, 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 you know, uh, people's opinions? No, that's, that's nonsense. And of course, there are boundaries to this. We don't say that Ibrahim was doing something bad because his community had a bad opinion of him. Why? Because this is on the matter of i'tiqad. This is about like, you know, your core beliefs and so forth. This hadith is speaking I I relative to what? Character. Relative to, you know, kindness and being a good person and being a decent neighbor, so on and so forth. And the final portion of this hadith is what? وَمَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَهُ And whoever believes in Allah in the last day should entertain and be generous and honor his guest. So, how can you honor your guest? Ask them. Some people don't do this and it's, it's very unfortunate. When the guest comes in, ask them, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Sometimes a guest will come in after a long drive and they're very hungry and very thirsty but nobody offers. So they just stand there, hungry and thirsty for a long period of time. This is not a good habit. 
When people come in, try to develop the habit of asking, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Here's the bathroom. You don't have to ask them, do you have to go to the bathroom? That's a little bit, you don't need to ask them that. Just show them, this, here's the bathroom, by the way, just so you know. And then, you know, this is, this is part of a good etiquette. Also, if they're going to stay the night, part of good etiquette is to do what? Put a sajada down pointing towards qibla. Why? So now that you know, they don't have to, you know, come out later on, oh, by the way, I didn't ask which way is qibla again. No, they know. It's just pointing. So they're already informed, inshallah ta'ala. And plus they have an area that they know is clean. So this is, this is part of good etiquette, inshallah ta'ala. What's interesting about this portion of the hadith is that it says the word daif. Now daif, if it said za'ir, za'ir means a visitor, which is kind of like a visitor from your own neighborhood. But daif means like from out of town, somebody from further away. And so the whole concept here, is that subhanAllah, it seems that this hadith is growing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention this at the, the final portion, that this hadith is growing in terms of its, uh, circle of influence. You know? It's so beautiful. Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, belief is where? Inside. Then let them speak. Speaking is just right after the inside, the first thing that comes out are your words. Let him speak good or be silent. Then, you widen the circle a little bit, and you say, okay, so who do I speak to? Immediate family close friends, maybe colleagues, etc., people in my immediate circle. Then the next portion of the hadith is what? Whoever, go, going back to the faith on the inside. Now, whoever believes to, in Allah on the last day, then go a little bit wider. Then you should be not harming your neighbors. That's a little bit bigger of, you know, your community on the outside. And then going back to the inside, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, going back to the core, then they should be good to their long-distance guests. In other words, people who come from out of town. So subhanAllah, step by step, you see that the hadith is growing and saying, goodness starts on the inside of faith in Allah, faith in the last day, and then it emanates through your words, through your behavior in your community, and then to the world at large, whoever comes in your proximity. SubhanAllah, is a very, very beautiful hadith. And now, the question about visiting the neighbor. This, this brings up a few fiqh issues. For instance, the Prophet ﷺ says, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَهُ جَائِزَتُهُ يَوْمُهُ وَلَيْلَتُهُ وَالضِّيَافَةُ ثَلَاثَةُ أَيَّامٍ وَمَا بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ فَهُوَ صَدَقَةٌ وَلَا يَحِلُّ لَهُ أَنْ يَثْوِيَ أَنْ يَثْوِيَ عِنْدَهُ حَتَّى يُحْرِجَهُ That whoever believes in Allah in the last day should honor his guest. His provisions, you have to supply them their provisions, whatever will serve them for one day and one night. And hospitality extends for three days. And whatever is after that is sadaqah. And it is not allowed that the guests should try to stay so much so that they become a burden. So this is a hadith which is very powerful and very important. It's in Sunan Abi Dawood. It's a sahih hadith as well. It's also mentioned in other books. And the idea in this hadith is that there is a certain bare minimum. That is, at least entertaining an, an outsider, somebody who came from another city, at least entertain them for one day. Especially think about from back in the day. If somebody was traveling long distances and they were in long stretches of wilderness and then they come across a village or a town. And, you know, it's not like there's motels and like, I don't know, a 7-Eleven, they can get some, uh, you know, refreshments or whatever. No, we're talking about back in the day. So they have to go and knock on somebody's door and they say, can you help me? Now, uh, you know, can I stay at least one night? Now, the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us it's obligatory. The opinion of Imam Ahmed, a Layth and a Shawkani is that this obligation is literally obligatory. Somebody comes to your house, you have to entertain them and give them the, ne- the necessary uh, provisions for at least one day and one night. And then if you want to be hospitable, then three days. And beyond that is sadaqah. That is the opinion of Ash-Shawkani and, Abu, uh, and, and Al-Layth and Imam Ahmed. And they say this because if beyond three days is sadaqah, then clearly what is less than that can't just be more sadaqah. Right? It has to be an actual obligation. That's their rationale. And just from a logical perspective as well, if you say no, they might attack you. 
like, like realistically speaking, right? Like imagine a guy's traveling with his family and his kids and so forth. And it's like, look, we, we, you know, we, we haven't been in civilization for several days. You know, we don't have any provisions. So please help us. The, the fact of the matter is that if you say no, they might be like, okay, I'm going to kick in the door then, you know? What are we going to do? Stand outside and die? You know? Well, you know, at a certain point, I have to take care of my family. So I'm asking nicely, can you help us at least for the provisions of one day? The Prophet is saying, this is the obligation. And perhaps because why? If you say no, the guy might just come in anyway. So realistically speaking, you should at least try to, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, do that bare minimum. Now, of course, the exception is if a person does not have enough for their own selves or their own families, then obviously uh, that's the exception. Now, that's not the majority opinion. The majority opinion, however, is that this is highly, highly recommended and that it's not an obligation. And the reason, the justification for this is that the word used is ja'izah. And ja'izah implies a voluntary gift. And also it says fal yukrim, so you should honor them. And this doesn't sound like obligatory language. So there's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama and Allah knows best. I want to just present both opinions. Now, of course, this does not apply to uh, uh, disbelievers or evildoers or heretics or so on and so forth. So forth, as the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تصاحب إلا مؤمنا ولا يأكل طعامك إلا تقيون. Do not accompany except a believer and do not serve your food except to somebody who has taqwa. So this is obviously primarily it is focused on the believer. And so that is the hadith and I just want to remind us that subhanAllah as an overview, this hadith is so beautiful because it keeps on focusing on the inner, faith in Allah and the last day and then taking it to the outer. And the, uh, the first outer is exact, immediately what comes out of you, what you speak. And it should be good or else be silent. Then back to what is your faith and it should be your neighborhood. So it's a little bit wider. And then back to your faith and your faith should what? Make you represent something that you're good to, the wider community. If anybody visits from anywhere, you should try to at least be hospitable to, uh, to at least the bare minimum degree. And what's really, really beautiful about this hadith is the final point inshallah ta'ala. The really beautiful thing is that when you take a step back and really think about this hadith, you realize that there is a theme here. And the theme is very deep and very beautiful. And what is it? The theme is that the mu'min, the believer, emanates goodness. And the closer you are to that mu'min, the closer you are to that believer, the more you will benefit. And the further away you are, the more you're going to miss that person. That that is the mindset of the believer. The, the, the person who says, I want to truly believe in Allah and practice this deen. This hadith is teaching us what? Wherever you go, wherever you settle, wherever, whatever neighborhood you're in, your, by, by mere fact of your proximity, your, just by, fa- by virtue of the fact that you're close to certain people, they should be benefiting from you. They should not be harmed by you as their neighbor or by your words. You should be generous to them. You should entertain them as a guest. You should be uh, you know, hospitable and so on and so forth. Just, whoever comes in close, closest to you, this is, should be the benefit. And really, you can evaluate yourself. If you move to go study, if you move because you have a job opportunity in another city, the real question you have to ask yourself is, do the people of my old community say, you know what, we really miss you? Or, or the people that move away from, let's say you live in a city and they move away. Do they ever message you back and say, you know, it's been a long time, I haven't seen you, I, I really miss you. You know, I, I, you know being around you and, and being able to speak with you and spend time with you, I, I, it, really, it really hurts me that I can't be around you anymore. Do you ever hear that? If the answer is yes, that means that your proximity is of benefit, generally speaking. And if you don't hear that, then subhanAllah, how much are we really uh, applying this hadith? So may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who are constantly emanating goodness. May Allah Ta'ala make us of those who the closer people are to us, the more we benefit them. And the, the further they, uh, away they are, the more they miss us. And that is the uh, state of the believer. May Allah accept it from us. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Zamdala khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.